Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Gene Otto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Kershaw Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. This is an exciting week. I know I know it's not your favorite draft week on the calendar, but it is mine. NBA draft week. Although it is a little odd, Jeffrey, I was thinking about this. I mean, the reality is, if you're a Grizzlies fan, the ideal outcome this week is that there is no draft pick made. That's a weird feeling. Like, that doesn't happen often, right? Or at least you know by now if you're not making a draft pick that night. Is that the I? Yeah, I guess you're right. Nah, you, like you don't want to be. Yeah. I mean, like, ultimately, you'd rather them, if they don't make a pick, it probably means they pulled off some sort of trade to fill Dylan Brooks' spot, I would think. That's probably fair. Like, they're not, I mean, they're not going to give away. A first round, like that's from the reports we're seeing out there. Because I, I will say, Jeffrey, I mean, I suppose the weekend really started. Obviously, it felt like okay, NBA offseason really started Friday with ja, the news of John ja Morant's suspension. Then over the weekend, we get the big Bradley. First Saturday, we get the reveal of the Bradley Beal trade. Like you know, this might be in the works. Washington's talking to Phoenix and Miami. Then Sunday, we get the actual deal being consummated to a certain extent, sort of. And we'll get into all this on today's show. Um, and now, here we are Monday. Draft is what, 72 hours away? Less than 72 hours away? Almost Th- 72 Thursday, hours right? away? I thought Thursday. it was Thursday night. Yeah, you're right. So I think it's Thursday night. Yeah, so it's like uh, yeah, 72 hours away. Thereabouts. Yeah, 77. Yeah. Yeah, 77 hours sure. away. Um, and like I said, it's I, I don't know. I've never... It's a weird feeling to go in going, eh, well, you know, 
I really hope they actually don't just don't make a pick this year because that means things went well. That's probably fair. I mean, I think the other reason why the NBA draft for me is, I mean, obviously, would I do I get more into the NBA draft than like Major League Baseball draft? Well, sure, because the Major League Baseball draft is so big that it's overwhelming. It's so big that it's overwhelming, and the timing of how it. often does a guy who gets drafted, like it's at least. Six to 12 months before a guy who gets drafted makes it to the majors, even in the best case yeah. scenario. Yes. And like even, I think there's also like the other issue of like it happens during the season. Happens during the season. But then, you know, the, and, I mean, as you know, like you, I think you are in the majority, very large majority, that probably views the NFL draft as number one on the draft pecking order. I do think the NBA draft is at least number two. Right? It's at least the second best. I think that's more than fair. You know, NHL is a decent one if you're a hockey fan, but it doesn't compare to the no, – no one watches, like, college hockey and junior hockey like they do college basketball. Um, I'm trying to think. The WWE draft's not bad. Not well, bad. Well, it depends. Like, I know it's, like, all made – you know, that one's well, made up. Yeah, you but know? sometimes it can be fun. Then there's the other times where it's, like – Oh, they just got a new TV deal, so yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna split up the <laughs> roster, and then yeah. you're like, "But this program was going great over here. Like, why, why are we, why are we tearing the that first, up?" The like, first couple drafts, which were, were really fun, just yes. to spice up the storylines, yeah. those were good. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else we got. Are there any other drafts we're missing here besides well, like, Major League Baseball? Yeah, we mentioned that already. The All Star Game draft could be fun. Yeah, they choose not to make it fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, that's that makes sense. But it's a big week for the Grizzlies. So um, we did a over at commercialpill.com, We did a Grizzlies roundtable this morning to Michael Cole and I. And I want to I want to riff off some of that. We we got to get some overreactions here now that it feels like the off season is really here for the Grizzlies. I know it started technically what the uh, beginning of May, <laughs> something like that, end of April. But now today, June nineteenth, twenty twenty three. It really feels like it's uh, it's started, and moves are gonna you know on the horizon or not on the horizon. But mo- there's phone calls being made, Jeffrey. Well, I think lots of phone. I calls. think there's been phone. There's yes. there have been phone calls being made. Yeah, but like these are this isn't just like hey you know hey just letting you know this is what we're interested in. I think we're getting phone calls where we're talking about actual like I'll trade you this guy and this guy and this guy for this guy and this guy and this, these picks and whatever. I think another reason for me why I have less affinity for the NBA draft than I do the NFL draft. We talk about smoke smoke screen season in the NBA, but it usually turns out a lot of the smoke screens in the NBA were like actual people trying to make moves. Maybe they didn't mm. maybe the moves didn't, you know, what well, just comes like fruition. there's a there's a much the culture of trading is much, like the NBA just has way more trades than the NFL does. Yes. In period. Like throughout the season, during the draft, whatever. I guess during the more, draft, not so much because the draft is I, so much longer for the NFL, but there's so many more picks. It feels like there are more significant trades in the yes. NBA. I don't, you know. Well, it's because, you know, like one player doesn't make as, aside from a quarterback, one player, it feels like, doesn't make nearly the amount of difference as, in football as one player does in basketball. That's just the truth. Like a star player. You know the one who you well. They involve. don't play both. They don't play both ways in football. Like don't play both. Yeah, there's just more guys on the field. But um, so let's get some overreactions about that. We also got another another transfer 
for Memphis basketball. Uh, Chandler Lawson announced today, or it was announced today, or revealed today that he had entered the transfer portal. Um, we'll dive into that, and then Jason Munn's going to join us at 2.40, the Tiger basketball beat writer for the commercial appeal. Um, we'll get his thoughts on what that means uh, for Memphis now that they're, I believe it's the 11th player who's you know either graduated or left the program this offseason, um, which is, uh, I think, much more a reflection of modern college basketball than like the program, but it is still a lot and daunting to think about. Correct. Um, I mean, when you when you when you break it down this way, there's only 13 scholarships in college basketball. Correct. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yes. And 11 are now changing hands. Yes, uh, that is uh, that is the case uh, as of today. P- potentially, I should say, because Dandridge is in the portal, but you know maybe he comes back. Now Chandler Lawson in the portal feels like the fact that he feels like less likely he comes back given <laughs> the late date he's entering the transfer portal. But nonetheless. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'll just phrase it this way, and Munns can clarify. My first reaction to that was, that's related to something else. Oh, yeah, I think very clearly someone else or someone else's are coming, and that's why ultimately Chandler made the decision on the date he made the decision. Right. Um, So uh, we'll get into that here later this hour. We also got the list uh, at 3 o'clock or so. We mentioned the Bradley Beal trade. Draymond Green has opted out of his deal. We got to talk about the U.S. Open. The leaderboard full of stars, and the guy I didn't know wins it. Do we have to talk? <laughs> well, we'll see. And then uh, um, an interesting column over at the, the Oklahoman, Barry Trammell, the plugged-in Oklahoman columnist. We've we've talked about him before. He had another column this weekend uh, directly uh, related to Memphis. Uh, basically saying why Memphis. It almost felt like it was answering the question that is, you know, is this Memphis thing real? Yeah, is this Memphis thing real? Doesn't make sense. Uh, So we'll uh, we'll break that down next hour as well. It was an interesting column. Uh, But let's start, Jeffrey, with the NBA. And I guess here in, in Memphis, it's the aftermath of learning the John Morant news Friday and kind of regrouping and see, okay, now we know exactly what the Grizzlies are dealing with. As we enter the NBA draft on Thursday, a week after that, you're allowed to start, ta- you know, officially signing free agents. I guess not. You can't officially sign them. Legal tampering. You can you can talk and come to an agreement on deals, mm-hmm. and then a week after that, you can sign them. Yeah. Um, but ba- for all intents and purposes, free agency starts a week, like a you know, next week. Correct. Um, and so it's obviously an important and complicated and. I think I, you know, I said this right after the season, and a difficult off season for the Grizzlies. I think, you know, like just there's not a, it's it's gonna you're you're having to thread a needle here. It feels like in some ways with what you're trying to accomplish and what you have to try to accomplish it. I guess I've really struggled with what is the appropriate word because difficult doesn't quite seem like it fits, but it's I think complicated. Yeah, convoluted, um, murky. I mean, now like. But it also like feels like a, I feel like murky's a good word because it's one of those words that really does sound like what it means. You're like, eh. It's gonna be it's gonna be the hardest offseason of this climate era, I think, to come out of it and go, we were successful. You know, like the first year That's probably fair. You know, the first because well, today is today's apparently the I believe that uh I believe Sean Coleman on Twitter today. Today's uh happy uh 
Mike Conley trade uh, anniversary gotcha. day. Because like he obviously that first off season, I think I thought he did. I mean, I think he did better than any of us thought in terms of the return they got 100%. from Mike and Mark. Yeah. Um, and the way that you know, and they did, you know, they they had the added bonus of getting lucky in the draft Correct. lottery. Um, and then the following off season. You know, it led to, you know, there weren't, like, any seismic moves that year other than, I mean, they did draft, you know, they drafted Bain and things like that. Um, and, uh, but it just feels like you've come away, you know, last off season was clearly not a success. But you came out of it trusting because he had had a successful off season the previous two, like, being like, all right, like, not trusting, but willing to see how it goes. In terms of the the you know getting younger, although I do think there were a fair number of people who from the get go were like this was not smart necessarily. I in think, terms of how they approached last off season, I think the, I was not one of them. I was kind of in the well, let's wait and see camp. And clearly, once I waited and see the people waited and saw, <laughs> excuse me, seeds a different word. The the people who the people who immediately were like. This is not. I don't know about this. This is a playoff team, and you're just adding a bunch of rookies to it, uh, and letting, you know, a couple vets go. I don't know about this. I, those people were right ultimately, and Zach Kleiman admitted as much at the end of season press conference. It was to me what it was a reminder was. I think it was entirely appropriate to say they had more information than we did. This initially seems like eh, I don't know. But I think it was a reasonable position of all right. Let's see. But like, there's not. But gonna, it's also a reminder of when your gut was telling you, like, man, I don't know. Like, when well, I'm just saying this for a lot of people. Maybe I shouldn't say a lot of people. At least for me, you only usually get one. Let's see from me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's probably yeah. I'm you know, like, much in the like, same like game, this yeah. off season. Like, there's not going to be a if you know, like ultimately, if it doesn't if it doesn't smell right on the surface. You know, you can't just ignore the fact that, you know, it didn't smell right on the surface last year either. Yeah, I I think the way that I would phrase it is, I'm willing to give you one real shot to prove you are the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. But if my spidey sense went off Mm -hmm. and it it proved that my spidey sense was correct, then I start to to adjust. But you're right, it's not usually multiple But in the same regard, it's a combination of that that sense of like, you know what? You you kind of used your mulligan last off season, and the fact that this off season also this can be true. It's going to be exponentially harder. It feels like than the first couple off seasons to like quote unquote pull it off effectively. Well, there was because a- there's it's like your best bets are to make a trade. Well, you you know you it feels like you don't have the quite the asset haul that you thought you had a few years ago. I think it's also just a reminder of. It's a lot easier to do things when your best players, quote unquote, mm-hmm. are on rookie deals, and, and then a reminder of like when they, you have to start paying them. Then that's it does become more difficult to move the chessboard. And the truth is, it's a lot easier to go from rebuilding to good, yeah, than it is to go from good to great, yeah. And you know, I think this team is like ver- this team was like verging towards towards very good, not quite great, but to verging towards very good, and then. I do think like the distraction, the the whole jaw thing at the end of the year, combined with the injuries to Adams and Clark, you know, really derailed that team. That team's momentum last year it was very yeah. clear. No, that's fair. Um, both from a personnel standpoint, but also I think just emotionally, 
it kind of they, they kind of lost momentum because of all that. Those, you know, they were just it was all distractions, if you will. Some of you know can't avoid the injury part of it, but some of it self inflicted. Well, by your star there, player. I think also though the other issue that I'm willing to try and be fair to them, they being the Grizzlies. You're when when we're now in this reality, like to me, there's really not a lot of difference between the NBA and college basketball now. It's postseason sport. Mm-hmm. What you do in the postseason defines literally this postseason. The seven seed just took out the Grizzlies in the first round, and an eight seed made the NBA Finals. Correct, but what also makes it more complicated is okay. The Grizzlies were not only missing their starting center, but mm-hmm. their primary big man off the bench mm-hmm. and someone that has had playoff success, and also the type of player in Brandon Clark where I think Brandon's value is higher in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. And then furthermore, you thought maybe, all right, maybe you'd you'd made an adjustment and you'd shook it up, and Luke Kennard was going to open up your offense in a way that, you know, could really be a difference maker, and then right off the bat, boom, he gets hurt. And so the reason why I bring all that up is, like, not making excuses. I think that makes evaluating very difficult. Yeah, because those things do matter. But now, like in the world of fandom online, no one cares. Mm-hmm. But in terms of trying to evaluate and how you're running a team, I do think like that. The that makes it very difficult because also, like Canard's injury seems pretty straightforward. You know what I mean? Like that seems like the shoulder one. one yeah. yeah, that seems pretty straightforward. Like he, I bet you he's fine right. now. It's to be honest. Yeah. that one seems pretty straightforward. But with Brandon Clark and Achilles. He's it's out just, for a long time. Well, and then on top he's of out that, till at least he's out till at least after the All Star break. But at f- least. But further, it has traditionally been an injury that is extremely difficult to return from. Now, there's been more success returning from it recently. Mm-hmm. But then also with Stephen Adams, like Stephen Adams was this weird injury in which you kept waiting and he's for still, it to heal. From what, what we've heard, not had surgery of any kind. So that, you know, like he, he's still going. At least from what I understand. I don't. I didn't see that in a release. No, and, and there's been no reports uh, but, of it either. But also, like what I'm saying is like, well, that kind of makes it difficult to assess of well, what what form are they going to be in. Like, I think you can make a reasonable assessment and assume Luke Kennard's going to return to the Grizzlies, and he's still probably going to be pretty similar to the player that you traded for. Mm-hmm. Is Brandon Clark going to be similar to the player that you gave the extension to? You hope so, and you'd love for it to be true, but. I don't know if that's a definite. And yeah. then with with Steven Adams, like, I don't know. That was like a weird thing where you kept like what, three different times. We thought like, all right, it's ramping up. It's ramping up. And then it, it didn't happen. Well, it was just the one time really. And then there was an assumption that he'd be ready for the playoffs. And then he wasn't ready for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, But why well, bring it all up to, to, to make this overreaction. Jeffrey. All right. We're talking about, you know, this offseason, how difficult, you know, this fine line you're going to have to thread here if you're Zach Kleiman. And we now know exactly kind of what we're dealing with going into draft week with the John news out there. And I, I would say this. This is my overreaction. I hope all of this, if you will, what you're talking about, the jaw stuff, him being out 25 games, I really hope it changes the Memphis Grizzlies offseason minimally. Like, I don't think they should really be changing their mind. I the mindset I assumed they had coming out of exit interview day, which was we're moving on from Dylan, we're going to find a replacement for Dylan, um, and we're going to lock up Desmond Bain. That was right. Didn't yeah. you see that? That was the 
that was what they, and we're going to you know we're going to you know change the way we uh act if you will yeah. or approach the game as a team as a franchise and um my sense was in the moment I was like okay there's going to be obviously at least one guy different we've talked about it you know one and a half was like the over under you set on new guys on the team fairness you said it yes um and I wouldn't change that thinking if that's the thinking. I wouldn't. Whatever your thinking was, I don't think John Morant missing twenty five games should influence it, um, or it should minimally. Like you do have to address that you need a you you need to probably, for instance, one of your two ways probably needs to be a point guard this year, just for those first twenty five games. Yeah, especially guess- if you're gonna if you're gonna trade Tyus Jones, and I think to me. If it's going to be what you need to do to get your starting small forward, your Dylan Brooks replacement, to me, trading Tyus Jones should not be a consi- – like, not trading him should because you need him for the 25 games John Moran is going to miss should not be something that goes into your thought process. If it's going to net you a starting small forward. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And also, I believe Keith Smith on Twitter pointed this out. Because Ja, the amount, the length of the suspension, the Grizzlies are going to be able to get an additional roster spot. Mm, just use a veteran minimum on after someone. game five. So you get five games in which Ja has to sit out. Then they'll get for that remaining twenty games. They can get an additional roster spot. Like to okay. me, I, I'm with you. Yeah, twenty five games is significant. Like we've talked about, almost it. a third of the season. Correct. But at the same time, it's like that was kind of what we thought the Grizzlies were going to be. That was the length of time that the Grizzlies were going to be out without Jaron Jackson. And that didn't seem to, like, totally change their calculus. Mm-hmm. Like, it did mean that, okay, Santi started the year in the in that starting role, and it allows yeah. you to get a look that way, but it didn't. So I'm with you. If I was going to make a – if it was a situation where I was going to make – a Tyus Jones deal. He's going to be back. John Moran is going to be back by December. Yeah. When you phrase it like that, it's like it's not that much time without him. I know it's going to be 25 games and it'll feel, I guess, long because we won't hear from him from a long, for a well, long time too, like more than likely. Weird, there's also the weird, well, when can he return to the team? Is a 25-game yeah. suspension really like a 30-plus game suspension because of yeah. ramp up and whatnot? Like, there's kind of a few wrinkles. Yes. Yeah. But no, like in general, like we didn't talk about, well, what's Jaron Jackson's ramp up going to be? It was like whenever he returns, he returns. And so I kind of feel the same way because also at least this isn't Ja returning from an injury. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, he's going to be healthy. And now we did get, the I believe it was Matt Moore of the Ash Action Network. We're starting to get Jeffrey a lot of, lot of scuttlebutt. I, I wouldn't call it like, right, wouldn't you call it? Some of these reports we get out there from, and I, I respect the reporters. I trust that they are hearing it from, I respect certain, Matt a lot. Certain people in the NBA, I don't think they're, like, false. But I also, I, I don't know, I wouldn't call them, like, when you're, like, it's scuttlebutt, right? Like, it's like, I'm not I'm not, I'm well, not dismissing it. I'm also not ready to say, like, uh, this is, you know, like, this is more than just, like, uh, you know, an assistant GM talking a little bit. Well, and also, like, you never know, like, what's the, it's. An I'm, agent saying, you know, just dropping a little, little something the, he heard along the way. What's the intention? Where is it coming from? What yeah. not, like. Do I think that they heard that and that they yeah. believe that it was an honest assessment? Sure, but at the same time, it's like, what's everybody's motivation? Yeah, but Matt Moore, who, to your point, doesn't just like report, doesn't just throw stuff up against the wall. Typically, um, he's 
he said he'd be stunned if he wrote that he'd be stunned. One one of the people he's predicts will be traded this offseason, who he thinks is not going to make it through the offseason, not traded, is Tyus Jones. He named, he put it out there. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that part. Like I do I do think my concern for the Grizzlies this week is we're going to get to Thursday night. We're going to and, and they're going to have no like they're going to have not been able to pull off a trade even though they're going to try to and they're going to get stuck making that pick. Cuz I don't I like well I think then they're then they're going to have another decision to make. Do we try to trade up? I think they will. He he's shown basically every other time in the draft that's what he does. But I don't know. I mean, do you think they pull off a trade this week? What do you think? I mean, I guess it's just hard to say. Like, do you think? But like, I've, I have. Are they desperate enough? Because that's what it really comes down to. To me, is like you have to be. You know, there's two. It takes two sides to tango, and it felt like at the deadline, um, it felt like one. You're seeing increasing amount of chatter about like Toronto's difficult to deal with on these guys, and you were focused on OG Ananobi, and then. You tried to get Mikhail Bridges at the last minute. This is just my read on it. And ultimately the Nets, you know, they just traded Kevin Durant. They weren't looking to shake things up. And then I don't think it helped that, like, within the first two or three games, Mikhail Bridges was, like, putting up 35 points, you know? Yeah. If he had had a slow uh, – my guess is if he had had a slower adjustment to the Nets, it would have been maybe easier to try and pry him away from them, uh, potentially. But he like looked so good right off the bat. It was like, well, maybe we should take a look at this a little longer before we just trade him away again. Yeah, I guess I guess the way that I feel based on how you phrased it is, I view desperate and motivated as two different things. Desperate to me means you're probably willing to adjust from your plan, which is all to me. In desperate a, is what Dallas did with Kyrie. Correct, and if desperate to me for the Grizzlies would mean all of a sudden. Either Jaron, Desmond, or Ja are on the block. Yeah, because motivated is, is you're right, is correct. the better word. I do believe that they're motivated. Mm-hmm. I think the problem though is more motivated than the deadline? I think so, right? Because they have to I don't know. Out. I think when you really think back at it in hindsight, they were pretty motivated at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And I I think the thing is, I think they're probably similarly motivated. There's probably a wider net to be cast this time too. There's like more guys. Like, at the deadline, there are only a certain number of wings available, and it feels like there are more available now than at the deadline. I don't know if they're better than what you were trying to go after at the deadline. They're probably not, but there's more. I think the way I would say it is I'm not really confident because I don't know who was or what. You know what I mean? Like, phone calls are made. You never know who is or isn't available. What I think is fair to say is I think at this point in time, you're more likely to get a reasonable value on a wing yeah. than you were at the deadline. Yeah, and it does feel like, unlike, like I do think Zach Kleiman is very cognizant of that, the value, if you will. Like he's ultimately, that's like his, that's his background as a GM, if you will. He's not like a goes-on-feel type of guy, right? You know, yeah, like he's no, not a former NBA player. He's not like, it, he kind of goes. I don't think he targets, I've got to go get, yeah. This player. Yeah, he's more targeting, like, I've got to go get this type of player. Type like of this player. Yes. Yeah. And so um, it's going to be a fascinating week. It became a uh, potentially more fascinating week for uh, the Memphis Tiger basketball team. Well, are we today. not going to talk about also? 
What? The Grizzlies offseason? The Tim McMahon quote that's going around? Oh. Well, I've got it pulled up. Okay, we can you can do it. I you know. I can, you know. You can you can give the quote from Josh. I mean, I don't I don't know. You know. I guess someone in Jaws camp. Yeah, this saying, was this was Tim McMahon quote. I've heard. In where is this from? Do we know where this I assume is it was from? A podcast because I looked yeah. on Tim's writing. Yeah. I th- what's the po- doesn't he do like a the round collective? T- yeah. He's being collective. So I assumed that it was from that. Okay. Um, let's see. Real GM. It's it was on the NBA Central account. It's essentially that Ja people no, I mean, around Ja. I have the quote, saying, but I was trying to see if. Okay, so this is the story from Real GM. Um, McMahon doesn't. It also doesn't say where it's from, but it is quote. I've heard indirectly that Ja and people close to Ja, perhaps people formerly close to Ja, have this feeling that the NBA is out to get them, that the media is out to get them. Now, I think it's interesting that he notes perhaps people formerly. Well, Close. I just kind of view the whole thing as like at this point, like I don't know. It just feels to me like I don't know if I consider that like news. I, I don't know. I guess in today's day, it is like I don't. I don't give an s what the people around Ja think. Like I care what Ja thinks, and if Ja wants to say that, or someone wants to say like Ja, you know, like but I mean, this I, also comes on the heels of again. TMZ's video from Saturday, and that mm-hmm. to me, the video that we saw from TMZ, Joe, Jive, which doesn't prove that he didn't have a gun in the car. Correct. By the way, it's just a video. It was a video of him proving that it was a gun as a lighter. There, he, he, he has had a, a gun. gun. He has lighter. a lighter that looks like a gun. To which I would also argue, if you're someone that likes guns, you probably have a gun that looks like a lighter, or a lighter that looks like a gun. Well, not just that, someone who's had an incident in the past. Why are you even still? If let's say that was the case, like kind of like. Adam Silver said, why on earth would you be using a lighter as a gun after what you went through in Denver? Correct. And I would also argue that feels like something that you would do a couple days after you got caught again. Yeah. But I don't know. The whole thing does strike me as, you know, very, you know, we maybe there's, you know, as Tim alluded to, someone is, you know, someone had to leak that video to TMZ. Correct. Someone close to Ja who got, or, you know, sometimes those things get passed around. Well, sometimes they get sold. Yeah. Sold too. And then, and that I don't could know. also that could also line up with someone formerly close to Ja. I, I just view it as like he, the way he phrased it. I'm hearing indirectly. Well, like to me, that's not like you know that's that means you're getting from a secondary source. You know, I don't. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. That's you know, fair. I, I don't. I, I would don't. also. I would also add this. I have heard similar, similar types of things. Yeah, I haven't heard that exact wording of it that they're out to get. You, I, you know, there were, you know, I can be again. I've heard it indirectly, but I've heard that same thing for a while now. Mm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that media has been uh, tough on him, but I also think it's been, you know, I think a lot of times, most of the time, I haven't, yeah, I haven't really read very much that I've gone. That's inappropriate, and the stuff that has been, it feels like has been called out as inappropriate. You know, like yeah, I'd agree. Um, and. It's been tough, though, but I think, you know, part of that, you just got to go, like, he brought it on himself. Like, you know, you're, you're, as you put it, teed it up in terms of, like, he just he looked like an idiot with these two incidents in particular, uh, the two gun Instagram live gun incidents. But Well, I mean, I think, to me, the bigger issue is it's less about that. It's it, the fact that 
One came from his own account, and the other came from someone that you know is directly connected. If he feels that way, at least he's not saying it's like no, like, it's not me. Public, he's not saying it publicly. You know, it's like all you know, like he's he's he stayed out of the spotlight completely, and so like I'm not going to hold against him what people are reporting, like basically like people heard through a game of tell, you know, like people heard through Phone a game tag, of yeah. telephone or yeah, whatever. Sure. Um, I, I'm not going to hold that against John Moran at this point. That's that's my feeling. Like you know, like if if it was that big a deal, Tim McMahon would have written it. I mean, let's put it that way. If it was like that, if it was like you felt really good about it. Yeah, I guess the only problem is, is that really a story ESPN writes? Yeah, I guess. But that's what I'm saying. Like, is it really a story that, like, people around Ja seem to think they're out to get him, potentially? And I guess, you know, and I guess maybe Ja feels that way. Like, as long as he's not saying that publicly, who the hell cares? That's my thought. Yeah, I guess the the last thing I would say on that is... um, that's not usually a great attitude to improve. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm you know what my guess is? Right after it happened, he did feel that way. My gut tells me like what we're hearing is like three weeks old, so to speak. You I, know what I, I mean? One hundred percent. Like agree he felt that. Yeah. that way immediately afterwards, yeah. and then now as, no, I can totally as this thing is played out, he better understands exactly what he did here, and that's what it sure seems like. In the I, would, I think I would even out. say that feels likely. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's tough. He's just got you know he's got a he he made this bed in the sense that he's just got to he's just got to eat some s for a little while, unfortunately. Um, but he he brought that on himself. But over time, it'll get better if he stays out of trouble. That's just the that's just the truth. People will get bored with the story. Media will get bored with the story. Or like they'll change their minds. You know that might take a couple years, but um, you know ultimately, you just got to sit and kind of unfor. It's like it stinks in some ways. You, you know you got to just deal with the fact that you're going to probably have stuff like this for a little while with the media all up in your business because right. you allowed them to be. All right, quickly let's get to your Tigers overreaction, then we'll get to months because we'll talk yeah, about. Yeah, so the big news segment. on the Tiger world is uh, Chandler Lawson has entered the transfer portal. Um, and my initial reaction, Jeffrey, to that was, well, that means someone else is coming, right? Like yes, he, I Chandler's agree. not entering the portal this late. My first thought was, well, why the fact that Chandler didn't already enter this to me tells me that there's going to be a this was a roster number. Well, and this is my overreaction. This feels like it's going to be a historic Memphis basketball season, just not in the way you normally would say this is going to be a historic Memphis basketball season. I mean. 12, 11, 12, maybe 12 new guys on the team. I'd venture to guess there's been very few Memphis basketball teams that have had that many new guys on them. It's impo- It's like, you know. I guess the problem, though, that I have with using historic is it may be, like, the first. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure it could be the last. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think we could get 15 years down the line and be like, okay, that was on the high end, mm-hmm. but that was just the way the sport went. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. No, now honestly, like if you don't get DeAndre Williams back, like who the heck's gonna? You, the, no one on the team except Jaden Hardaway will have like will know anything about what the program has, how the program is and operated. Possibly Malcolm. Yeah, possibly Malcolm. And I would say this, like you know, ultimately Jaden's in a tough spot. Like the 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 son of the coach can't really be the leader of the team unless he's the best player on the team. 
pretty tough. I you agree. know, it's like really tough to be like the leader of the team. Having, if you're not the having best done player. that before, yeah, it's pretty tough. You got to be the best player on the team. Then you can maybe pull it off if you're the best player on the team. Yeah, like to me, it's if you're the coach's son, you really need to to be one or the other. You either need to be the best player on the team or the worst player on the mm-hmm. team. The problem is the worst player on the team should never be your leader. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's very interesting situation with Memphis basketball. Let's get Jason Munns on here. He's the Tiger basketball beat writer for the commercial appeal. Let's see who he, who he thinks Memphis is bringing in, what what to make of the news today that Chandler Lawson is transferring. We'll talk to him next. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM. Yes. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Bien. Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. The Tennessee Vols have scored four runs in the top of the fifth, including three runs with two outs. And they have now tied up an elimination game against Stanford. Four runs apiece. We'll talk about the College World Series a little bit during the second hour, but it's Monday, and that now means we welcome on Jason Munns to the program, the Commercial Appeals Tiger Basketball Beat Writer. He's on Twitter, at Munsley. Munns, what are we listening to? What's up, Jeffrey? This is uh, this is Anytime by the Babies. The Babies? I'm not familiar. It's got like a Joe Walsh feel, right? Am yeah, I insane? Bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of. It's uh, it's John Waite. If you uh, yeah, okay, you remember John Waite from the eighties? It was uh, he was he he uh, had that song "Missing You." And oh yeah, also uh, that was a big uh, big hit. Uh, was "Missing You" in planes, trains, and automobiles? No, oh maybe. But yeah, I mean, that yeah, was... he, he did a version with Alison Krauss at like the Grand Ole Opry yeah. one time that was really good. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's an he English rocker. Yeah, was he also was also in, in 22 Jump Street. There you go. The, the sequel. Um, yeah, he was in Bad English with uh, who did that song, When I See You Smile. But this was his first band, and uh, uh, huh. yeah, they're fantastic. How about that? Underappreciated. Well, underappreciated. Well, Munz, uh, some interesting developments today on your beat, Memphis basketball. Uh, Chandler Lawson, uh, the news comes out that he has entered the transfer portal that makes, I believe, 11 guys from last year's team who have either uh, graduated, moved on, or uh, entered the transfer portal. Um, 11 scholarship guys. 11 scholarship guys. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, is this 
it feels like this can't just be related to the news that DeAndre might come back um, because DeAndre was on the team last year. You'd presume Chandler was, okay, you know, it seemed like he was okay with that before. What What do you make of the decision to transfer and what it means for Memphis moving forward here on June 19th? <laughs> exactly, June 19th. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think that there's a lot of, based on what I can tell, there's sort of a lot of factors that went into this. Um you know, I, I certainly think that uh, Jonathan Lawson leaving plays a part in this. Um, you know, uh, obviously uh, Chandler had transferred once before, so if he was going to transfer again, he was going to have to graduate. It appears he's uh, gotten, you know, that all squared away. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, when they brought in, uh, when it when it became clear, I think, that DeAndre um, was serious about, uh, you know, and that there was a legitimate shot that he, uh, could return to the team. I, I, you know, I, I certainly think that played a part. I think, uh, Memphis going out and getting the likes of Nick Jordan and T Leonard and, uh, even David Jones to a certain extent. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, it doesn't, seem like they're done uh it still seems like they're being pretty aggressive in their pursuit of uh new players i mean i think it's all just sort of added up and that's why we are where we are with chandler i guess the other question that i had somewhat tangentially deandre worked out for portland last week is that correct correct does that have any impact on his attempting to get another year i have asked that question to a number of people since he did that and it doesn't appear so i mean nobody really knows that i've talked to knows for certain but i mean deandre said it himself uh in the statement that he released a couple of weeks ago he never had he has never formally declared for the draft and he has never signed with an agent um so i mean yeah i mean i again i i, I have not gotten a straight answer from anybody uh, on that, but you know, it would seem like you know he's able to do that while also maintaining his collegiate eligibility. Or is it possible that because again, I, we keep we keep talking. It, it feels like semantics, but I do think it's I do think it's these are valid points until he gets that extra year of eligibility back from the NCAA, if he's going to get it, he is technically out of eligibility, which would free him up to, you know, work out for NBA teams if, uh, if he wants to, you know, I would, I would, that, that's just, you know, my mind running through this. Like, is it, is that why he's able to uh, work out for these NBA teams? Because technically he does not have any, he has exhausted all of his eligibility until otherwise, you know, until somebody comes along and says otherwise. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it is interesting. Like, because but, like, obviously if he were going through the draft process, you have to withdraw your name, but, but that's he never, also, uh, he never entered his name. Well, like that's what I'm saying. You're not, he's also not transferring. Like he's not. Yeah. And presumably he could make the argument that semantically, He's just participating. He's like he's like another guy in a workout. It's not necessarily right. that he's trying out for the team. Like what you know, what's stopping as long as he's not getting paid by that. I mean, even then, 
He's like, what if they wanted to give him, you know, he's just like a training guy, essentially. You know, I, I think there's semantically you can get around it, it feels like. Right, right. Uh, that's 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 how I see it. Well, the other aspect of this, though, is with Chandler, like to me, though, like Chandler leaving, it feels like it's a sign of more than just DeAndre's going to come back. It feels like they're very clearly they're they have adding. some open scholarships. We saw this weekend um, – the the Bob Huggins story that emerged, you know, who knows what's going to happen with all those transfers at West Virginia. There's other guys, whether they're grad transfer, it's really just grad transfers right now that you can ultimately, by and large, grab. Maybe some of these West Virginia guys will, uh, will they'll get, they'll be eligible to transfer again now that Bob Huggins isn't the coach there. But what are some? What are you? What's the vibes, if you will, Munns, in terms of Chandler's leaving? Very clearly, they were already down some bit. You know, they needed bigs, and he was presumably one of your bigs. I don't think he's just leaving for nothing. What do you think is going to be the domino effect of this in terms of, or what are some options that could be domino effects of this uh, decision by Chandler Lawson? Or, you know, maybe it's more best described as, you know, why did he decide to transfer, essentially? Yeah, I mean, you know, you say West Virginia, uh, these West Virginia guys, and you say grad transfers. I mean, I think you also got to include guys who are efforting to graduate, a la Chandler Lawson, and um, you know, who who may not have yet gotten the academic side of things in order, but are trying to do that. And once they do, then they'll enter the transfer portal. Then they'll be free to go wherever they want, no matter how many times they've transferred previously and you know it's uh, uh the some names that i am hearing um you know are uh you got the 611 uh big man from louisiana jordan brown who penny um, recruited i believe out of high school went to prolific prep and uh i think so yeah penny recruited yep. him out of high school and he ended up i think with muscleman at nevada like pre arkansas muscleman if i'm not mistaken yeah he he went to Nevada where he was the Mountain West freshman of the year and then and then transferred out uh to Arizona where he sat out a year. That's how long he's been playing. This will be his sixth if he if he wherever he plays, it will be his sixth season in college. Um it will be his That's awesome. fourth if different, him and DeAndre are the front court. on the same team. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That'd be Bash awesome. Brothers. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And 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 at Arizona the one year he was there for two years, but he was only on the court for one. He was the Pac twelve sixth man of the year. Then he transferred to Louisiana where his father played. He spent the last two years there averaging combined, I think, eighteen ish points and right around nine rebounds and right around one block a game. Uh, this past year, he uh, won the Lou Henson Award, which goes to the mid-major, the best mid-major player in the country. Um, he, he won that award, so uh, that is that is a guy that Memphis is definitely, um, you know, trying to trying to hang in there with. Uh, Antonio Reeves is another one whose name has been bandied about, sort of connected to Memphis. I mean, I don't even, I don't think he's in the transfer portal yet. Yeah, the Kentucky um, guard, right? Right, a guard from Kentucky who started his career at Illinois State, um, you know, but but he's made it. And I believe Jeff. Yeah, not, I believe Jeff Goodman reported over the weekend. I think other people have it's, that he's it's, trying to graduate. He's from, he's yeah. at it. He's currently at Illinois State, registered at Illinois right. State, trying to graduate. 
and then he's going to enter the transfer portal as a grad transfer and leave Kentucky. He was exactly. he was in the draft. I believe he had entered his name in the draft and pulled his name out of the draft. Right, he's like a six five, six six guy who uh, you know can play some thirty nine percent from three the past two years. They don't yeah. have a lot. They so, don't have a lot of knockdown shooters on this team yet. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he would he would sort of check a lot of boxes that that are still unchecked for Memphis. But um, you know, it, again, it, it's sort of a waiting game to see if he can get his academics uh, in order. Um, but if he does, then I, I would be very surprised if Memphis is not, uh, you know, right there in the thick of things for him. So, yeah, I mean, there's a chance, depending on how this all plays out. I mean, like, what if DeAndre doesn't get the extra year back? Um, you know, I think I think Penny and, and company are hopeful that he obviously they obviously they are hopeful that he gets that year back and that can. You know that that'll take up a scholarship, but if it if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't happen, then that's another scholarship you got to fill. Um, well, you don't have you to fill, fill all thirteen, right? Right. You don't have right. to fill thirteen fill scholarships. Um, no, it's. I mean, here's the thing: if you don't have DeAndre, it's literally just a brand new team, and I do think having the Dominican trip helps. Um, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic, though, with this many new guys. If DeAndre can't play, it's really going to – like, you're literally going to have no one who is, you know, an impact player who's even played a minute within the program, who, like, knows how the program operates. I mean, Jaden's there, but, like, you know, I'm going to be honest. with the If they have re- add Reeves, they've already added David Jones um, – some of these guys they brought in, like I don't know how much playing time there's going to be for Jaden. I'm sure, you know, we've. I'm sure he'll play some, but not, you know, like very clearly he's going to be a, a bit player on this team ultimately. Like, uh, you know, I would think. I mean, maybe you know, given the history, like Penny has played him before, but that means like it's such a brand new team. I, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic. Like I can't remember. Maybe like Calipari's Kentucky teams in the you know beginnings of one and done. Like how many teams right. that have been really good brought back like one guy? I, I don't know. I can't think of them. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, like, but it's like, also like a brand new era. And I like, mean, yeah, how many guys did Miami the, bring back last year? And and I don't. I I actually don't mean this. I think Penny is showing again. Like, if you ever are gonna doubt that he's gonna bring in talent for the roster, like like no, he's gonna always bring which, in talent for the roster. Which there was a. On a a a yeah, I mean, just uh, a ton of doubt. <laughs> yeah, you know, all, all, like all off season, there's just been you know a lot of really, really, really worried, uh, a, a ton of worries um, that that you know, Penny's that, that this is sort of spiraling out of control, and he doesn't have a plan, and this and that, and it's like, you know, maybe maybe. There might be some truth to that, that that some of this didn't go uh, the way he thought it would. I mean, I, he said very clearly after they lost to FAU back in March that he would, you know, he hoped to have everything, you know, wrapped up and tied up by June, July. And that is clearly not the case. Um, I don't think that anybody thought back in March that DeAndre Williams might have another year. Um and and you know here we are. So um, I, I I do think I do, I I think that 
the people who've been saying that, you know, this has all been very fly by the seat of your pants. There might be a, a kernel of truth to that uh, here and there. But, you know, yeah, uh, back to your point. Anybody who thought that Penny wasn't going to get this figured out and anybody who thinks uh, moving forward after he gets this, you know, taken care of, anybody who doubts that he will ever figure anything out ever again uh, needs to <laughs> needs to be checked. Well, I think this the whole thing has been instructive of, okay, there is actually like kind of a, I don't want to call it a calendar to the transfer portal in this NIL era, but we are seeing, it's like, a, oh, it's not like, there's not like a signing day or something. It happens in waves, you know, like yep. it doesn't feel like there's like an initial wave. And then there's yeah, but I would even point out a lot of this stuff feels different, and the it feels like a new way that we're seeing guys that maybe didn't in, enter the transfer portal. This idea that like you're going to go back to a school where you can go and try to graduate early and then move on, like that's mm-hmm. a new wrinkle. Yeah, no, sure, uh, but I th- I think you're seeing there's like different periods of time where you're going to have transfers enter the portal ultimately, and yep. just because you swing and miss in April. You know, well, I mean, the I think the other thing there's going to be a wave after the NBA draft deadline. There's going to be a grad transfer well, correct, wave. Correct me there's, if I'm wrong. If you're a grad transfer, you don't even have to be in the portal. No, you can. Well, you have to be in the portal, but you can enter it at any time and be eligible right away, as long as you're there before the school year starts. Yeah. Um, speaking that, of speaking of waves and variables, let's also not for, let's also not ignore the Rick Stansberry waves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you make you make adjustments to your staff, and that might open doors that were you know that weren't necessarily open before or whatever. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's just to your point. It's there's a lot that goes into every off season, and 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 it feels like uh, they're all going to be different no matter what. If they get Jordan Brown and Antonio Reeves. This will be a top end. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.